On average, people spend over a third of their life sleeping, yet most sleep disorders go undiagnosed. I'm Megan Gigling, General Manager of Parkway Sleep Health Centers. Sleep struggles left untreated can lead to health problems and have a serious effect on your quality of life. We've served the Triangle for 20 years. Let us help you get the sleep you've been dreaming of. If you're in need of a sleep study, a knowledgeable doctor, CPAP machine, or supplies, Parkway has you covered. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit parkwaysleep.com. Sound sleep, sound health. Call a daggum timeout. Daggum, 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 daggum. Make a daggum layup. Shoot to daggum basketball. Daggum, daggum to daggum, daggum, daggum. I'm going to get old one of these daggum days. This is pretty doggone good. Frickin', frickin', frickin'. Don't ask me that frickin' question anymore. I said, how the Dickens? The Dickens, the Dickens, Dickens, Dickens. What the Dickens? What the Dickens? What the Dickens are we doing? Beat the Dickens out of them. Oh, duh. I get to do what the crap I want to do. How the crap do you? What the crap? What the crap? What the crap day it is? I don't know what the crap I'm talking about, but and I don't care what the blankety blank blank anybody says. Blankety blank, blankety blank, blankety blank, blankety blank. And I said, you blankety blank, I was that dog. <laughs> Roy Williams was quick with names and good with a whistle. The story of how he made it to the top with two of the Blue Blood programs in college basketball has been told. But not like this, and not with this type of honesty and insight from that dadgum legend himself. Now, the Roy That Dad Gum Legend Podcast. Is it Dad Gum? D A D G U M. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I leave out the second D. I get Dad Gum it, but uh, it's, if I had to spell it, I would say D A D. So, how did you end up on? It seems like you make a concerted effort to come up with words to substitute for curse words. Yeah, probably so. Uh, uh, there was a time that. Uh, I wanted to make sure that I uh, almost never cursed, and then I started getting away from that. And so when I did that, I wanted to try uh, to not get out of hand. And so dad gum was very easy because I used that even my, my whole life, even when I was a kid, I mean, in high school, you know that kind of thing. So, and then people laughed at it, and I always thought, just let's just give them something to complain about. <laughs> when you say you tried not to curse all the time, or just in the media? My first year at Kansas, I said, "Give me seven curse words." Seven, seven for, for the, the whole, season for the whole season. Okay, and seems couple, reasonable. Uh, yeah, and uh, I didn't miss it badly. And one of my players said, "My curse words really aren't curse words," but uh, uh, you know, because I didn't want the real bad ones to say the least. And I'll have years where I'll be a lot better than other years. And only the last five or six have I felt like I've done a poor job of that. Uh, the rest of the time, I thought I've done all right. If you'd like to blame me for that, I feel like I've been there in person for like three of your in-person curse words. Yeah, those were not, uh, I was not pleased with myself <laughs> at the end of that. One of them was because of a writer. It just kept pushing me and pushing me. I said, well, if you, you know, well, you know what I'm talking about. They, I said, if I knew how to fix it, I yes. would have already fixed it. Kind it of was thing. a press break question or yeah. when to use the yeah. press. Um, if I knew the answer to that, do you think would still be? Stinking. So everybody strike that F word. It meant to say frickin'. Okay. I met the one at Notre Dame where you were. Oh, yeah, that one was just ridiculous. Just absolutely ridiculous. I'm not going to freaking do that. We're going to fucking, excuse me. I apologize to everybody, everybody, everybody. We're going to freaking compete. And that's what we're going to do. We play Saturday. You can feel sorry for yourself, and you feel sorry for yourself, and you're going to do that the rest of your freaking life. And I apologize. I usually don't. You know, I don't know what I'm doing. Wrong. 
the way I'm cursing. No, those kind of words I think I should uh, never slip up on. And I try to make sure that I don't own the ones that might not be frowned upon as much. But they're all curse words to me, you know, but I, there are different levels, I guess, is what I'm saying. Is it like a, a parent thing? Like my 10 and my 13-year-old know when I'm mad when I actually use mm-hmm. a curse word. Mm-hmm. Do your players recognize that? Uh, not really, because I'll even go back to the first team. I did. It was I may have gotten to eight or nine the whole year. And I was mad a lot, <laughs> you know, a lot more than that. Uh, but sometimes it is, it, uh, it takes it to a different level, I think. And I, one time when I was a high school coach, I said to uh, uh, the lady who was in charge of the ninth grade girls, I was in charge of the ninth grade boys, and her husband was a head coach in the same conference. And I said, yeah, I just mess it up. And I cursed. And she said that her husband says sometimes that's the language they ex- understand the most. And uh, so, but it's, uh, I've never tried to use that as an excuse. Hello, Pete. What is, what is that supposed to be a sub for? I don't have any idea. You know, sometimes just out of this brain, some things come out. And it's, I guess it's a kind of way of saying, come on now, this is crazy or something. And, but I have no idea. Do you know anyone named Pete? Oh, yeah. Pete yeah. Seagroves, his father, Ted, was okay. my best friend in town. And, yeah, I've, I've had a few Pete's in my life, but uh, it's the exclamation is what it's okay. used for. When you're with Team USA, does the demeanor change? Does the language change? Because you so you're, you're dealing with adults at this yeah. point. Um, I, I tried to be careful because I was number one. I was not the head coach. My voice didn't need to be heard very much. So I, I remember one day I got a little ballistic on them, but, uh, it didn't last very long because that was not my, uh, perceived that was not my role. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there was a lot of different language with, with that team. Uh, 2003 was a marvelous experience Mm -hmm. in the qualification. We had to qualify because the, what well, was the world's championships, I guess, the year before we'd finished like six. And so we had to go in 2003 to uh, Puerto Rico or we would not have even been in the Olympics. And that was the most pleasant experience you could possibly have. We had a very veteran team and they all were going to come back. But then always the, the terrorist uh, idea was out there and some other things were out there. And, you know, one kid, one guy was going to have a baby. One was getting married. Mike Bibby just said, Coach, I'm scared. Uh, you know, I mean, we had we didn't have Vince Carter, Tracy McGrady, Mike Bibby, Jason Kidd, all those guys that we thought we were going to have coming back. And they didn't come back. And then in my mind, my opinion, not anybody else's, uh, the NBA went for marketing in 2004 instead of winning a gold medal. And that's the reason we got LeBron and Carmelo and all the Dwayne, all the really, really young kids. And Tim Duncan was really the only uh, big-time player that came back for us. We watched the Last Dance documentary, and Jordan is not using flip or frick or any of those (laughs) types of things. So I have to imagine that that kind of goes by the wayside, too, when you're on the golf course with Jordan, right? Yeah, but, you know, I... I would say I probably curse more on the golf course than I do on the basketball court because I'm not a model out there. I'm just me and my buddies kind of thing. But I don't, you know, first of all, I'm insulting myself because my vocabulary should be better. I'm married to an English teacher. Come on. But, uh, no, on the golf course, uh, it's all my cursing, unless it's somebody telling a joke, all my cursing on the golf course is against myself. You stupid blankety blank or whatever it is gets us to your most famous usage of a curse word 
after the 03 championship loss. You're at Kansas. Yeah. Lose to Syracuse. You know all the details of that yep. game. And Bonnie Bernstein famously asked you about coming to North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about, before you get to, I could give a shit about North Carolina, you actually used flip mm-hmm. in the first reference, which mm-hmm. gets us to your yeah. thought process of how you, it seems like when you're angry, truly angry about mm-hmm. something, that's when you'll yeah. slip. Yeah, the, the flip switches a lot. <laughs> the, it's closer to the surface then. But I was really mad at her. If she had been a man, it would have been, I would have stopped the broadcast uh, because I had told her, do not ask me about that. That has nothing to do with the national championship game. And if that guy in your head tell him that I said he is not a good person, if he's going to ask me about that and do not, and she did it anyway. And uh, then fast forward a couple of weeks later, I found out that the guy in her head was not telling her. And so I had no use for anything about her or that moment. And I didn't think it was fair. And I I really didn't give a flip. At that moment, I cared about those kids in the locker room and to have have someone be that insensitive and stupid. And that's I have no problem saying that uh, after I would told her, do not ask because I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned you don't see my kids in the locker room crying right now. And that's what I'm concerned about. And. That was a Kansas team that you had a, I mean, not that you don't love all of your teams, but you had a true love for that team yeah. because that's the one that you promised with Heinrich and Collison. Those are just the stars, but that's the one you promised. Like, I'm not leaving until, yeah. at least while you guys are here. Yeah. Collison is one because, uh, uh, in, well, I'm trying to figure out how to say this, but it's the easy way. Duke had told him that I would not be there and that I would, if he went to Kansas, he would not play for me. And so the parents asked me about it. And I told him, I said, I'm going to be here longer than he's going to be here. And because uh, I don't plan out my life. It's not a three-year plan or a five-year plan or 15 years at Kansas and then I'm going to leave. I, it's not that. And so I promised the kid. And uh, the other thing is that uh, hadn't gotten as much as that. Those two teams uh, saved me, the 2002 and 2003 both, because I'd gotten so frustrated with college coaching and some of the things that were going on and uh, some of the things that I didn't feel should be going on in recruiting. And uh, I had even gone home and told Wanda at one point, I don't know if I can keep doing this. Maybe I have to go to the NBA if I want to keep coaching because I just can't handle this. And then all of a sudden, uh, Nick Collison, and Drew Gooden and Kirk Heinrich came along, three great kids, great families, concerned about their education, concerned about life, concerned about the values that I had and that they had the same values that I did. And it wasn't just what can you do for me right now? And uh, they weren't looking for anything. It was just, uh, will you coach my son? Will you help uh, him mature? Will you help him get his college education? And so for me, that was the other part of that team in 2002 and still in 2003, even though Drew had left, is that in my mind, and I'm not being exaggerating or anything at all, I'm being very truthful. Those three kids allowed me to stay in college coaching because I figured out, hey, there are still some of those guys out there. To the point where when Dean Smith came to you and asked you after Coach Guthridge retired, you were like, I can't leave. I can't come back.
Kansas fans set the tone for the week last Friday after Roy Williams' first press conference. Young children gave him roses. Fans chanted his name. Back in North Carolina, loyalists fixed their gaze on the image of Williams sitting next to Dean Smith on the UNC bench. Many counted the days until Coach Roy might again take his place on the Chapel Hill sideline, oblivious to his growing quandary. Williams came here to the new Finley Tuesday for golf and one last get-together with UNC's Dean Smith and Dick Bedour. While several media outlets reported that Williams had reached a handshake agreement to come back to Chapel Hill, Williams' son Scott told a different tale, saying his father was struggling terribly with his decision. Back in Lawrence today, Williams looked every bit the part of a coach who couldn't bring himself to leave. Uh, I don't know. He tried to find solitude, but found media everywhere he tried to walk. And with his players all out of town on semester break, any decision to leave Kansas would mean a dozen phone calls to players, a dozen painful calls. Tonight, he announced he would not be leaving. I made the decision based on the most important thing, my players. I could not leave them. A large crowd gathered at KU's Memorial Stadium to hear Roy Williams' decision tonight. KU and Lawrence, what a great place to be. <laughs> And in the end, these fans and Williams players were more important than his dream of coaching at Carolina. Bob Holliday, WRL TV5 Sports. Call it the great Midwestern melodrama. Bill Guthridge decided to resign and Roy Williams was asked to return to his alma mater, which he had told friends through the years he would do. Williams admitted last night his first reaction was yes. Last Thursday, if somebody had held a gun to my head, it would, I would have said that it would have probably been North Carolina. Friday, the tide began to change. Jayhawk fans staged a mini rally, presenting the coach with roses. And as he walked about the Kansas campus trying to sort out his feelings, people chanted his name. I was nervous the day that Coach Guthridge resigned. Bedore Williams and Dean Smith met here at the new Finley for golf on Tuesday. Williams wanted to play the new layout. Both Bedore and Williams say Tuesday's get-together went extremely well. But Williams, after coaching 12 years on the Kansas sideline, had promised the Jayhawks the final shot. He returned from North Carolina without having reached any agreement. As he again walked around KU, any remaining feeling that he should take the Carolina job began to seep away. Williams couldn't bear to tell his players he was leaving, but now he had to say no to Dean Smith. As painful an experience as I could have, I apologize to him, and just those words aren't enough. Indeed, Kansas is turning his announcement into an 11th hour victory party added to the wounds felt in Chapel Hill. However, we're the University of North Carolina and we will move forward. But today, Eddie Fogler also withdraws. Fogler and Williams, two longtime Carolina assistants, will not follow Bill Guthridge. Bob Holliday, WRL TV5 Sports. I had told them, I said, what am I supposed to say to my players? Give me an answer. Nobody ever gave me an answer. And with Nick particularly, and uh, and he is, he's just a special kid. I mean, I I went out to uh, uh, Oklahoma City uh, when they retired. How about you, they got his jersey in the rafters? He averaged like four points a game, but that's the kind of kid he was, and stayed with that organization the whole time. Is still with that organization, and so I surprised him. And he didn't know I was coming, and mom and dad didn't know I was coming. I'd spoken to the GM. In fact, the GM's wife was one of my managers at Kansas 100 years ago. And uh, so uh, I went out there, and then mom saw me. And I said, where can I meet you at the end? And she says, meet us down there on that tunnel. And we did, and it was a funny, one of my favorite mama moments. 
is uh, so Nick called and she picked up the phone and she said and he said where are you I could hear him she said we're down he said well come on down here she said no come on down to this end he said well mom she said I said come on down to this end I mean it was she said somebody wants to see you and he said who she said just come on down here and I thought that was one of the, my favorite moments, mama moments of all time. And uh, so he came down there, and it was a, a neat moment because I'd promised him uh, that I would still care about him. And I'd seen one of his earlier games when they were still in Seattle, one of the first two or three games, I guess, of his professional career, too. You said Mike Bibby's name, and I winced because you ruined my bracket that year, but you didn't wince. You're yeah. over that? 97? No, uh, 84 and 97 are the two hardest losses ever. Um, in 16, the hurt that I felt was because of Marcus and the unbelievable shot. I even told Michael that if we had gotten it into overtime and won that game, that shot would have been the most famous shot in North Carolina history, not his. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, uh, different because those two teams, I thought, 84 and in 97, I thought we were the best team. And uh, 84, we didn't get Kenny Smith back to be really Kenny Smith at the end. And, uh, and Indiana played a great game. We got in foul trouble. Held. It was a perfect storm. Everything that could go bad did go bad. And in uh, uh, 97, the same thing. And Jared tried to play the whole year with a broken wrist. And they gave him a shot of cortisone, and I find out later that 3% of the people in the world are allergic to cortisone, and he was one of the three. And uh, he, uh, one of my greatest moments to myself, it doesn't mean anything to anybody else, but the morning of the Arizona game, uh, he, uh, we were doing a shoot-around, and I said, well, let me see you shoot the free throw. And he shot a free throw, and it fell five feet short. And uh, uh, he said something I never forgot. He said, Coach, just give me a chance. This is all I've ever dreamed of. Just give me a chance. And I made the decision right then that unless it was worse, I was going to give him a chance. And so then we go to the uh, warm-ups before the game. And I walked out there and I said, let me see you shoot a free throw. And he barely grazed the front of the rim. And he, big tears in his eyes, just said, please, just give me a chance. And if you had told me that by playing him, we were going to lose I still would have played him because I felt like I owed that to that youngster and I would have done it for any of those other guys Uh, but Jared was totally immersed and I've said many times he hurt when we lost more than any player I've ever coached On average, people spend over a third of their life sleeping, yet most sleep disorders go undiagnosed. I'm Megan Gigling, General Manager of Parkway Sleep Health Centers. Sleep struggles left untreated can lead to health problems and have a serious effect on your quality of life. We've served the Triangle for 20 years. Let us help you get the sleep you've been dreaming of. If you're in need of a sleep study, a knowledgeable doctor, CPAP machine, or supplies, Parkway has you covered. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit parkwaysleep.com. Sound sleep. Sound health. At WakeMed MyCare 365, we deliver convenience others only talk about every day of the year. Primary care and urgent care under one roof. Multiple locations, virtual visits, walk in or schedule an appointment online. From annual physicals and routine care to sinus infection, strep, or the flu, we couldn't be more convenient. Learn more about our kind of care and our kind of convenience at wakemed.org. 
The sign outside the Dean Smith Center said, Welcome Home Roy. A crowd of some 40 UNC students showed their enthusiasm for this famous alum. Roy Williams, Carolina class of 1972. The North Carolina basketball team came in with the new coach, dressed in sport coats in the Dean Smith tradition. Athletics director Dick Bedore introduced the new coach, who spent several minutes talking of the difficulty of leaving Kansas. Williams, in fact, said he came close twice to calling Dick Bedore and telling him he was staying in Lawrence. You know, I'm 52 years old and I got up a couple of nights throwing up because I am emotional and I love two schools and this was not uh, an easy position to be in and I was very pleased three years ago thinking that I would never be put in this position again but uh, I was in my study and looked down and saw the picture of Omar and it uh, it really did hit me but something made me not make the phone call Sunday afternoon I was in uh, Los Angeles at the Wooden Awards presentation talking to Coach Wooden and the other coaches in a roundtable discussion and Nick Collison walked in the back of the room and I got up and walked out looking for a payphone because I started to call Dick a second time and tell him I can't do it. Williams directed many of his comments tonight toward the North Carolina players. We asked Roy Williams about playing style. I will respect you. I will work with you. I will work for you. At his first press conference, Roy Williams directed many of his comments to his new team, all of whom dressed up for the occasion. Williams' message, do what I ask. If I tell you to go to class, it's a pretty simple deal, just go to class. If I tell you to be on time, it's a pretty simple deal, just be on time. And if I tell you to go across the lane and set a screen, it's a pretty simple deal. Players listened attentively. The blank expressions of February replaced by an eagerness to get to work with the new coach. His wisdom, you know, he's been under Coach Smith for a very long time and his, uh, his experience at Kansas and when he's done with the team in the past two years, uh, you got to love that. It was very exciting. Childhood dream, just like, you know, if I came here and I played for Dean Smith, it'd just be like, I want to be anywhere else in the country. Williams told the players, North Carolina will run. I hate it when the ball was walked up and down the court, so we're going to run. It's going to be tough for me. Uh, you know, I have to get in a lot better shape this summer. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to running running in his uh, his fast-paced style of offense. The Roy Williams Tar Heels will, in fact, resemble the Dean Smith North Carolina teams. They run all of our stuff, even the same terminology, but they, they bug me when they run it better. The transition, the Roy Williams transition game, is already underway. Bob Holiday, WRL Sports, Chapel Hill. The second time Dean asks you, is after the 03 mm -hmm. season that time obviously you said yes was it just the completion of that class that allowed you to say yes or did you look at what was going on in north carolina and say they need me it was probably a lot of little things uh, the biggest one was nick collison i didn't during those three years i had um, uh, people would ask me recruits and their families and i'd say i've turned down more than 10 NBA teams. Um, I turned down North Carolina, and that's the only uh, uh, job I would ever leave Kansas for. And so I had that sort of security blanket when I was telling the recruits because it was true. And I really did think that Matt would be here for 30 years. And that, uh, Wanda asked me, she said, are you going to be all right? This this is not going to come back. And I said, I understand that. And I was, I was content with that. But the athletic director thing was much bigger than people thought. At Kansas. At Kansas, because I was not very comfortable, did not feel like I had the support. It was an unusual situation. It was a lot of friction in the athletic department. Um, 
I felt sort of betrayed by the chancellor because he knew how bad it was. And it was a statement I, my best friend, who was the dean of the law school, he said, it's just a uh, leadership differences. And it wasn't that. I mean, it was just I felt like I was uh, um, it was just hard. I'd go in the office and I'd have a coach sitting in there waiting on me to complain. And I'd go in the next day and there'd be another coach in there complaining. And I'd go in the next day and there'd be another coach in there complaining. And my own personal relationship was not good. And uh, so that had a bearing in it. And uh, Coach Smith said, we wanted you the first time. We need you this time. And uh, so all of those. But it wasn't just one little thing. You get here. There's talent in place, Mm -hmm. obviously. But I think perhaps one thing we've overlooked in the most difficult part of the job was you had to repair the Carolina family. Yep. What was the biggest challenge in that for you? To me, I felt like when I came back, I had to have two jobs. And one was to get everybody back together again. And the second was, yeah, win. But it was in that order. And that was the priority that I gave it. And uh, uh, there was, uh, when you're the coach, uh, just like I talked to Max, I love Matt Doherty. There's no doubt about it. I think that if if he had it to do over again, there would probably be some changes that he would make, and hopefully there'd be some changes that the players would make. Hopefully there'd be changes that the fans would make, and it would work. Uh, but uh, there was just so much friction, and as sometimes you're so close to it you don't see it. I mean, uh, you know, my radio show, if we lose 100 games in a row, they're going to stand up when I come in. But that's not the that's not everybody, you know. Those are the people that are just in 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 period, and uh, so that was the number one job getting the former players really back in because a lot of the former players were saying things that I didn't think was good. Uh, Coach Smith was hurt. Uh, it's uh, uh, to see the the friction, to see the uh, the tension with the team and with Matt, and because Coach Smith loved Matt. And uh, so, but that to me was the number one job. And oh yeah, by the way, <laughs> you can solve a lot of it by winning. You know, so uh, it was both of them. Which bodes well for Hubert, right? That we're upstairs at the Smith Center right now. Yeah, we're in a we're in a normal office. Yeah, right. Like I think there are some things that people can maybe over exaggerate. Mm-hmm. Maybe and maybe they're more symbolic than anything else. But putting Dean in the basement felt like, you know, Matt has always been blamed for that, and that's not fair. Because I think Coach, he said, where do you want to be? And Coach Smith said down there. And people didn't understand. But Coach Smith, it was, it was his way of coming in and getting some things done and stepping out on the floor and watching practice. And then it got maybe maybe got a little uncomfortable with Matt to have Coach Smith watch practice. And maybe Coach Smith felt like he was making Matt uncomfortable. So, But I think Matt's been blamed for putting him down there, and I don't think that's right. I, I mean, the first day I said, I'm going to get you upstairs. He said, no, I like it here. And I said, well, coach, come on now. He said, no, I like it here. And it took me a while to get him. It was uh, a six or seven, maybe seven years before I got him upstairs. But because we, we did some major, major overhauls and remodeling of the offices and the locker rooms and those things in 2010. So I guess I'd been here, you know, six, seven years before we really got anything done. And it was so funny because – they're in there taking stuff out of Coach Smith's office, which was my office at that time. I said, leave that lamp. I'll take it out. And the guy looked at me and said, I carried it in here in 86. So I want to carry it out. It was the same daggum lamp. <laughs> and, you know, and, and this, this uh, video stuff up the top in the ceiling, none of it worked. It was outdated. And, you know, I said, get that out and all this kind of stuff. But, yeah, I think that thing was probably 
if they had won games, it never would be, there would never been anything said about it. I just think that was something that people picked on. Any lessons learned from that transition to how you're going to handle this transition with Davis? Well, my biggest fear right now is I want to be helpful, but I don't want to get in the way. And I mean, you heard the story about Hubert didn't want me to leave the office. So he's gone for two days or I'm gone for two days. And I uh, got my secretary, my former secretary, Jen Holbrook, to come up here with Kay, secretary now. And they had been college basketball teammates. And so I got them to come up while everybody's out. And they spent a day and a half and cleaned the office out. And while Hubert wasn't here and I wasn't here either, just get it out. And uh, so my house has got a bunch of boxes right now. And I told him, I said, just find me a closet because I need a place where I can use the phone. And if somebody wants to come in and talk, I said, but I don't need more than two chairs. That's what I told him. I don't need more than two chairs. But uh, so this was a storage room. And I said, I don't need that much space. But it was the walls fit. They didn't have to knock any walls down or anything like that. But uh, it's, it is the sim- symbolism is different than it was then. And that one with Coach Smith down in the basement was, was not good. But it was, in my mind, overplayed. Your heart. It's the only one you have. Fortunately, you also have a choice. Expert cardiologists talented surgeons, highly skilled specialists, all of whom chose WakeMed. Why? The main reason is the same reason patients choose WakeMed. Everything you need for the best possible care is right here. Learn more at WakeMed.org. WakeMed Heart and Vascular Physicians. Your heart, your choice. Hey, I'm Tim Donnelly from 99.9 The Fan. And I'm Brian Murphy from WRL News. Sports betting is finally legal in North Carolina. Getting to this point in this state wasn't easy. How it happened is a backstory worth telling. And that's what we're going to do in a new season of our podcast, A Brief History of Triangle Sports. The podcast is out now. Follow A Brief History of Triangle Sports on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or on YouTube. You talk about it being a storage room, and I couldn't help but notice when I was setting up the podcast equipment, there was a micro tape, a micro cassette tape, <laughs> which kind of gets us to another thing that has been kind of famously attached to you. I wouldn't say an avoidance of technology, mm-hmm. but you like what you like. Yeah. Is that how it works? Is that why you're still using tape as opposed to using, you know, is trying to show you how to use my phone. Here's a voice memo <laughs> app, which is ironic because I'm showing Gilio all the time how to use Apple stuff. And he's, he's been doing you. this with you for a couple of years. Right. So you think, you think <laughs> by now. So it's funny to see like, oh no, you got to use this, but you like what you like. Mm-hmm. You stuck with it. Why? Uh, it's very simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, when email first came out, computers first came out i was alive uh i'm at i'm at kansas <laughs> it, it wasn't before me but i was alive so i'm at kansas and i had a computer and i had an email address and i came in in the morning and i pressed the little button it said you've got mail and it's sort of cute and so it was my son and my daughter and uh, mike melman who's the head of discovery uh company for all the golf courses he had 16 golf courses and he was a good friend and uh, uh but it, initially it was just scott and kimmy nobody else and uh so all of a sudden i pressed the button and said you've got mail and it said 208 and the day before the university had let out everybody's email address and i said oh my god and i went through all of that and 99 percent of it was garbage yeah and I came in the next day, and it was 280. And so I do this for about four days. And I said, that's it. I closed the computer, 
and never opened it again. And when we moved me out of the office back there, there was a big blue computer that had never been opened. And I told him, I said, I don't need a computer because I'm not going to have an email address. I'm not going to be tied to a computer. And I said, I've got work to do. And my work is people. And my work is face-to-face with people. And my work is talking to people. And so then people sort of laughed at it so much. I said, well, I'll do my, I'm going to be my own self. I don't care what the crap you say. I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. And so that's sort of stuck. So, but there's a difference between not wanting to use technology and not being aware of stuff. Because I do, because I, I am convinced, and this is, and Jillio knows this about me, and I've actually said this on the air. For somebody who is as technophobic as you are presented mm-hmm. to people, you actually said one of the most profound things about the state of media at the ACC tournament in Brooklyn. Now, now everybody's got social media. We don't need, need the New York Times to find out what in the Dickens is going on in the country. You know, our president tweets out more than anybody I've ever seen. So, you know, so we, we got all kinds of social media. But in the old days, there's no question it was the media capital of the world. But I'm not sure that it is now because media capital of the world sitting right there, right there, right there. But it has value. I'm not saying it doesn't, uh, but I, I don't think we have to go overboard. That was the point where I'm like, I don't believe him. I bet you he has a Twitter account. I bet you he has something going on. <laughs> You're so naive. <laughs> so, so come on, what's the real story? I think here? Wanda has the Twitter account. I know. She has an email address. Okay. Um, I don't even know what a Twitter account is. That's not true. Come on. That's not true. Your players are on Twitter. I don't care. <laughs> I'm serious. If you say, I'll give you an t- example. I right. took a test, I mean, took a class in college, mm-hmm. tests and measurements, and you have the validity of the test or validity of a question, okay? So I'm famous for trying to take the recruiting test faster than anybody else and never looking at the book. And uh, seven minutes and 15 seconds was my fastest time for 35 questions. Mm-hmm. And I, I missed one question. And the reason I missed one question is because it said something like, in a home visit, if you take a hard drive and do this, is this legal? That's a bad question because you have to know what a hard drive is. <laughs> and I missed it. It's either true or false. I just, yeah, I only sure. had two choices. Right, so, right. so I guessed and I missed it. But that's the only question I missed. But I do not... I have no difference. I have no idea what Twitter Open up is. Your phone. <laughs> let's let's see. I know you. I know you use the ESPN app. Yeah, I have. Oh gosh, I got a couple of guys. Yeah, I've got the ESPN app. Let's see what I have. You know, if it's on there, you're in trouble. So, all right. So, guys, we're doing this. Can you can you swipe it to the? Swipe swipe it too. swipe it to the other page. Okay. Just to see what's on there. And that's the only two pages I have. You got the Masters 21, you got the Uber, you got, got my gin. Okay. All right. That's amazing. That's fair. That, that I mean, look, for, for, folks, for, folks who are listen, for folks who are listening, the best way I can describe it is that Roy Williams' home screen looks like a factory reset of your iPhone. Like when you get a new phone from the store, that's what it ends up, just a fresh phone. You got like hardly anything on there. Well, no, I don't. I mean, I use it to, if you text me, I text you back sure. or I can text you first. Sure. If you call me, I call you back and I can do that. I use, let me turn it around here. I'll tell you exactly what I use. On this page, uh, 
podcasts. I don't have any idea. iTunes. Yeah, that's all stuff that comes yeah. with your phone. Factory. I don't have any idea. Yeah, you probably never I opened press, up those apps. No, I press the top left. Uh, it's stock because I'm always checking my Nike stock. Okay. <laughs> right. Weather. Uh, my gin, for, which is G-H-I-N for my golf handicap. Mm-hmm. Those are the only ones I've ever pressed. None of those have I ever pressed other than those. It's amazing. All right, let me skip the second. Whoops, I went the wrong direction. <laughs> this one I have the E for ESPN. Yeah. Because I check every night in the NBA. I check the scores and see how our guys did every night. Mm-hmm. Uh, Safari, I've gotten on that probably 10 times, and I don't know what I'm doing, so I just leave it alone. The clock, because I set my alarm. Sure. Uh, I can take a picture, but I'm not sure I can store it. Uh, app store, utilities, reminders, FaceTime, TV, you know how photos. To fa- you know how to FaceTime, right? Yeah, because okay. it's it's just you make a call and you press FaceTime. Got it. Yeah, but I don't know what this thing does. What, which one? The green one. Uh, the green one. I know, but when the, I FaceTime. Yeah, that's FaceTime. That's okay. like the actual FaceTime app. Well, see, I never look at that. Okay. What I do, let's see if I can show you here. <laughs> you guys need an education. No, I right, look. So right here it says... Eric Coots, right there. It says FaceTime. Yeah, that's what you press. That's right. what I press. So that's I don't. I've press. never pressed the other. Well, the re- the reason why. But you think about it. Everybody was saying that we should go to Brooklyn because it's a media capital of the world. Mm-hmm. I really believe there is no media capital. It's in your pocket. No, you're right. Yeah, and you're, so I thought that was sort of solid. No, I, look. Yeah. When you were saying that, everybody was focused on uh, one particular line as to the the president yeah. when he was tweeting, and I'm sitting here going like, Psh, whatever. But, like I don't care about that. I'm just sitting here going like, we're all sitting here having this debate about Greensboro versus Brooklyn, and but it also got me to think because you know, there's there's always a rumor that Mike Shashevsky has like a burner Twitter account to keep an eye. Like he always seems aware of what his players are doing and things like that. Some people are convinced it's actually Mickey Shashevsky. So Jillio and I were joking about who might actually have the secret Twitter account that keeps an eye on things. So is there anybody on because in the modern era, my coaches, we have somebody that's in charge of monitoring what our players are saying or doing or something like that. That's, Mm -hmm. that's for sure. I mean, I, I just know that I'm not going to do it. How did that affect recruiting for you? You know, it's the kind of thing where a lot of coaches, uh, a lot of programs did so much more with media, social media than we did. And we got better. I kept telling our guys, let's do a little more, do a little Mm -hmm. more, do a little more. But guys, I'm not going to do all this stuff. And I'm just not going to let it dominate my life. And even in go back for a quick second to the New York thing, I go back to the hotel after the uh, uh, our practice the day before the tournament started. And the bellman said, Coach, how you doing? I said, fine. He said, what are you in town for? <laughs> and I said, that would never happen in Greensboro. Never would, no. You know, but, he, I mean, we're, the whole team is staying at his hotel. And he didn't even know the ACC tournament was going on. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was part of it, too, at that time. But, no, we do have somebody on our staff. My staff, uh, Eric Coots, is phenomenal. Sean May is phenomenal. They watch the stuff all the time. Uh, they tell me what I need to know. And they, I tell them, don't ask me if I need to know or not. Make a decision. Yeah. And that way, just give me fewer things. If we don't beat freaking Oregon, we're out there in U- Uber trying to get our butts back to Chapel Hill. Is it Uber or Uber? 
<laughs> Pretty made one that looked like a brick when it hit right in the flange and still fell in. We win the sucker. I thought we had some alien that climbed up in his body, but like he was ready to go. The old folks on him. We've been patty caking that sucker up there a little bit. A bunch of young pups that he had to pull along. Wonderful youngster. He's a great youngster. He's a competitive rascal and greatest player since sliced bread. It's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. And we'd sort of sashay in there, but tell him go fly a kite. He couldn't shoot a lick. Grandmom wrote me a nice letter, and I like grandmamas because that was in my step. Things haven't always been, uh, you know, ice cream and uh, nuts on top. You had to do one of those voodoo things that have a little seance. I'm going to go get a crystal ball and put some, a wig on and sit and put some incense. Is that what it is? Smoke stuff. Is that enough, guys? Thanks, everybody. Let's go home and go to bed. Coming up next on the Roy That Dadgum Legend podcast. It was state, and it was Virginia, and so it wasn't just Duke. And so to me, Duke was 10 miles away, and we needed to beat those guys, uh, but it was no different than uh, state and Virginia. And in fact, in 83, uh, I did not want state to win. Uh, I wanted Virginia to win. That's shocking. Are you struggling to get a good night's sleep? Look no further than Parkway Sleep. For 20 years, we have been your locally owned and operated sleep center. I'm Brandon Giggling, president of Parkway Sleep Health Centers. Did you know that people are waiting a staggering six to eight months for a sleep study at other sleep labs? At Parkway, we understand the importance of your sleep needs. That's why we offer openings within weeks, not months, saving you time. Don't let sleepless nights take over your life. Visit us today at parkwaysleep.com. Parkway Sleep Health Centers. Sound sleep, sound health. 